Welcome back, everyone, to Screenplay Rewind as Friends and Family Month continues. I'm Jeff. I'm Ron. And I gotta tell you, man, <laughs> the <laughs> fucking 180 from last week to this week. <laughs> like, I'm, uh... Oh, holy fuck. I need I, a hug. I'm <laughs> sad, Jeff. Dude. <laughs> like, I, like, when that well, movie ended, I was just depressed. But it's fucking great at the same time uh but all that being said it's time to move on from taming the t-rex to this week's movie yeah (laughs) see i was sad at the ending of taming the t-rex uh but completely different reasons (laughs) i just you gotta love the stories that lead to these movies happening so uh yeah i got access to an animatronic t-rex for a month you want to make a movie cut to so there was a serial killer in Korea 30 years ago. Yeah, you want to make a movie? <laughs> you know, to be fair, if someone gave you and me an animatronic T-Rex for a month, I mean, a movie is getting made. <laughs> Memories of T-Rex. <laughs> oh, no. I'm just the T-Rex running through a rice paddy. A rice field. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll uh we'll get to memories of murder uh selected <laughs> by none other than the little T Rex hands with the knife. Also, just love the uh, the roller coaster ride of Soapy bringing us the last Airbender last year, and then bringing <laughs> memories of murder onto the show this year. Oh, like, my man. neck, the whiplash. Yeah, the guy, <laughs> man of many facets. Soapy, <laughs> he's Flash a Kyle. complicated individual. Yeah. I, yeah, even when I eventually meet that dude in real life, I'm pretty sure I'm still going to call Soapy Soapy instead of his actual name because once you've called someone their online handle for several years, they're just that name, you know? Whenever it's, I see it, or hear his name, it takes me like half a second. Like it, it, It's almost instant that I recognize it as Soapy, but whenever, yeah. whenever it happens, it feels like 10 minutes to me that it yeah. takes me to think of his name. <laughs> but it, he's Soapy. I mean, he's Soapy. Yeah, it's on his birth certificate, bro. I want to know if anyone he does know in real life just refers to him as Soapy all the time. Uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I I know I would. Just absolutely like, there's no going back, bro. Once you go Soapy, <laughs> you never go back. Well, how come <laughs> you don't call me Ron Sense to my face? I knew you as Ron <laughs> way before the inception of Ron Sense TV. <laughs> Please. Mr. TV was my father. Call me Ron Sense. <laughs> no, wouldn't I call you, uh, what was it? Uh, Ron plays games badly? Was that? <laughs> yeah, Ron PGB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was, that's what I'll call you. It's like, <laughs> no, no, please. <laughs> my, <laughs> my father was Ron plays games badly. Hey, I had truth I, in advertising. I am Ron plays games poorly. <laughs> <laughs> I still want to make uh, another account called Ronja. Ronja? It's pretty solid. Well, because, we talked about Nanja. being making a ninja knockoff account, which would be Nanja. Yeah. And then somehow in that conversation, I ended up with me being called Ranja. Oh, uh, Nanja was from Speed Racer, right? Right. Just one of the the greatest puns of all time. <laughs> one of the one of the most genius, underappreciated jokes of all time. I've often thought if I ran my own chat bot, like from a Raspberry Pi or something, because you can just download a, a script and run it on a Raspberry yeah. Pi. I often thought about what I would call it because Lobosis is like the perfect name, Lobot Junior. Yeah, it's really strong. Um, it would either be probably Ronimus Prime <laughs> or Ranja. Yeah, 
I, I just I, be, I could never be. decide. Just uh, just run both. Just won't run be confused. Just won't be confusing at all. <laughs> just give. Just I think give that it ends up in it. I think that ends up in a paradox. You'll have uh, David Tennant showing up at your house uh, to fix shit. So go ahead and do it, dude. I am on it immediately. Then. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. So yeah, uh, we we uh, referenced it, but last week was the beginning of Friends and Family Month, and our lovely friend Bobby brought us Taming the T Rex, and we talked about having a uh, coda of some of his thoughts and he went over to your house a few days ago and apparently divulged some details so i got it i got it here ron did bobby <laughs> allude to him actually liking taming the t-rex did he know it was a colossal shit pile that i would yell about <laughs> for an hour and a half and that's purely why he picked it so uh, give me the details ron i gotta know basically but uh just to be clear he didn't come over to my house explicitly to explain himself. Like he, he didn't show <laughs> up with flowers, have flowers in a bottle of wine. Although he should have. <laughs> just open the door and there's Bobby with flowers and a bottle of wine and we just sit down and he explains himself to me. <laughs> asking if I'll take him back. Um, <laughs> no, he uh, basically just said that it was more or less his first B movie that he ever saw when he was a kid. Okay. Okay. That's what set him kind of on the path to like, you know, uh killer attack of the killer donuts and stuff like that. Yeah. And then, uh, it was on or he caught it somehow. He doesn't, Bobby's kind of a strange individual when it comes to tech. Like he doesn't stream, like he doesn't have a Netflix account. He doesn't have a Hulu Disney Plus, he doesn't stream anything. So it's either got to be on cable or he has a DVD of it. And he caught Tammy and the T-Rex somewhere and was watching again. And he recognizes everything that both you and I said. Like he was somehow how he agrees with everything you said and everything that I said about <laughs> the things I said in its defense and the things you said against it as an adult. <laughs> But he still had that nostalgia for it that allows him to kind of not forgive but ignore yeah, the the yeah, bullshit that's... in it, which is kind of I mean, if you watch enough B movies, you can't watch the average B movie without just straight up ignoring some of the problems with them like that because they all have something usually. That's fair. And, yeah, and I totally get like nostalgia can cure a lot of wounds. When yeah. it comes to, to movies, like, everyone has movies that they can basically admit to themselves. It's like, yeah, this movie sucks, but I love it. But and the that's T-Rex totally parts are great, and that's what you yeah. show up for. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, yeah, there are about 25 to 30 minutes of solid B-movie. It's just surrounded by a lot of horse shit, so that's fair. If you just yeah. shut your brain off to the, uh, you know, like the... Uh, Blatant uh, homophobia and necrophilia <laughs> implications. <laughs> it's fine if you just take away that. It's a great. It's a great time. But uh, yeah, I I uh, <laughs> I, I was just curious uh, to what extent he uh, had because it was a very specific pull. You know, it wasn't just right a bad movie. It was a very specifically pulled B movie. Uh, yeah, I think he so said I he was... caught it on TV somewhere recently or something. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I'm still very shocked. I don't think Mystery Science Theater has done that movie. It seems like a perfect movie for them. Yeah, that's really, really surprising. I'm sure Rift Tracks has. Rift Tracks has done everything. Yeah, probably. But I uh, I did a search before for Tammy and the T-Rex. And uh, T-Rex. 
But I never found anything for um Mr. Science Theater. For Mr. Science Theater, was it? Yeah. You'd think that would have been like a prime candidate for the uh the reboot on Netflix, you know? Yeah. They did like one of my a... all time favorite movies that I found on D V D randomly one day and bought the fuck out of it. But they didn't do Tame and the T Rex. Yeah. Uh the only thing I can think of is like maybe is why they were kind of hesitant was because like you know like Paul Walker had passed away in real life. Maybe they were kind of hesitant to but he's also like barely in the fucking movie. He's I was only in the say, movie on I screen for like what ten minutes? And you know like, commenting on his performance isn't commenting on his death, you know. Yeah. There there's ways that you could still do that tastefully. But there's also ten billion rabid dumbass Fast and the Furious fans out in the wild that make those movies like a billion dollars every time they release. So they're oh, kind of crazy. Oh, they welcome it though. Um they did a Mitch movie, I guess the first Mitch movie, and Jodon Baker was really upset about it because they made oh, fun yeah, of his movie. About yeah, and he said he just hate them for like his entire life, basically. Yes, and in an interview, Jodon Baker basically said if he ever met any of them in real life, he would deck them. Damn. So what did Mystery Science Theater do? <laughs> They grabbed every Jodon Baker movie they could Fuck find. Yeah. <laughs> and That's, that is the proper response there, my friend. <laughs> instead of just making fun of the movie, it seemed like he was targeted in those movies, and it was amazing. By the way, those are some of the best Mystery Science Theaters. Is the, oh, I bet. The, yeah, no, no holds fucking barred uh -huh. when you're taking on Jodon, bro. <laughs> if you don't know who Jodon Baker is, if you've seen Goldeneye, he's Wade. Yeah. Yeah. So he uh he's also probably most famous for the first Walking Tall movie in like the seventies. Yep. And then The Rock did it later. Yep. But and yeah. he did Yeah, he he did a few others people probably recognize him from. He he had a very weird career. One of my sure. one of my favorite quotes from Mr. Science Theater. I don't even remember who's which one of the three says it. Uh, I saw it in a GIF recently, and I instantly remembered it. Though was Mitch. Even his name says, "Is that a beer?" <laughs> <laughs> like, oh man! Like every Mitch movie is just like, "Hey, do you have a cheeseburger? I could really go for a cheeseburger." Is that a beer? Oh man, I I need a cheeseburger with this beer. Like that is all <laughs> they do over and over. <laughs> oh man, it's so good. Well, uh, I appreciate you giving me the Tammy the T-Rex coda that I've been desperately <laughs> waiting for the last few days because I didn't get to Yeah, it was, it was, it was his introduction to B-movies. Okay. Which yeah. got me thinking, I have no idea what mine is. That'd be, that'd be a good podcast question to come back to, to circle back to. First B-movie? Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't tell you what mine was either. The first, the first ones I legitimately like enjoyed, I'd probably say are... Like Attack of the Killer Donuts and Velocipaster. We watched a bunch of them for yeah. your Twitch streams. Do I remember any of them outside of like the two good ones and House Shark? No. I don't even remember anything about the two good ones. I just remember they existed. Yeah. I remember uh, Sharkenstein. Sharkenstein was amazing. Sharkenstein. That's the one that was your offline <laughs> yeah. image, right? Where it's, it, it still is. It looks like an eighth grader <laughs> just slapped some fucking Getty images on a background, and that is an actual like transitional shot. Oh, it's worse than that. They took a Getty <laughs> images and just 
copied and pasted it over <laughs> and over again. Like the exact same pieces of this image are in the same image like six times. Just copied and pasted over like a picture of a beach. Like it's it, it's copied and pasted over top of trees and everything. It, yeah, it breaks more dimensions than like the fucking mirror dimension <laughs> in Doctor Strange, dude. It's actually a work of art. And uh as soon as we saw that, I remember I was like having to pause it and be like <laughs> We thought we'd had like a stroke. It's like, are, are we seeing this? Because it just breaks it, all laws of fucking physics. It it's the establishing no shot for the lab. They showed it like six <laughs> yeah. times in the movie. It's so good. It's so bad and so good. Oh, it is. Oh, it is cinema. Oh, I have, I have a good one for you. I just googled Sharkenstein and found an oh image. Oh my god. Uh, do you remember their dog, the bounty hunter, alike? Uh, vaguely he's a <laughs> he looks just like dog the bounty hunter uh no yeah. i this is sharkenstein if we had a podcast distribution service that had uh show art where you could upload different show art for every episode i, I this would so be this episodes <laughs> genius <laughs> oh god <laughs> That needs no introduction. Oh my it's god, it's so art. good. <laughs> uh, I was hoping to find oh, though uh, that image without just taking it from my Twitch. Oh, oh, I found it. It is sublime. <laughs> Copy image. Yeah, this is great radio. Remind me, remind me later. <laughs> I'm gonna put that on. I'm gonna I'm gonna randomly put that on our Twitter feed with no <laughs> with no context. <laughs> The tweet's gonna have less context than this <laughs> fucking floating, <laughs> floating and series of doors and like fucking like they're clearly like cellar doors. Cellar doors used as a front door. <laughs> yeah, and there's like three cellar doors used as front doors, <laughs> suspended over random planks. And there's the I love the chimney too. <laughs> it's like it's like one of those like find uh, like one of those picture hunt thing games. Like what's wrong with the picture? Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you something from <laughs> highlights. What's wrong with the picture? Everything. <laughs> everything. So you're going to post that, and then I'm just going to reply with this picture of this church and say, yo, the dog, that's fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Oh. Oh, uh, just. This that is, is pure cinema. That is pure cinema. <laughs> this has been a time uh, already. Yeah. No, no fucking joke. Uh, yeah. So. We uh, typically open up our shows with a Q&A section, and I have a question for you this week, Mr. Oh, Robinsons. This I'm, is... Uh, I'm sure I don't have an answer. You probably you probably do. I'll probably think about it for a second, but I think you'll come up with one. I'm not All right, Radio so this Shack. Is, this is uh, slightly ripped off of a audience member question for either bonfire side chat or watch out for fireballs one of the gary and cold joints but um duck feed tv check them so out. The, the question they had on the air podcast was if you could send a video game back in time to your oh, childhood self i heard that and my yeah my question is if you could send a movie back to your child oh self, what movie would you send back in time and i i thought long and hard about this and i think i have the perfect answer all right i'm gonna be i'm gonna be curious what you think about this because like the like the logistics behind this as far as like what it sets up your then future self to be able to like experience i think would be really really fun 
So you send back in time Avengers Infinity War to your childhood <laughs> but self. But not in game. But not in So here's the thing. You send back Infinity War, right? Oh no. And your childhood self is like, "What the fuck? They t- they made Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> and do a fucking actual movie." And Think about if, out of context, your first introduction to all the characters in the MCU was Infinity War and how interesting that would be. Because it takes place at such, like, a fucked up point in time for those characters. Like, your first introduction to Steve Rogers is him coming out of the fucking darkness (laughs) as, like, Nomad, basically. And you're just like, what the fuck is going on? There's the there's Rocket Raccoon, Doctor Strange. There's there Doctor Strange is in a fucking movie. Like your <laughs> mind would be fucking blown, dude. And you open up with uh the your first introduction to the Hulk getting his ass kicked by Thanos, and you're just like, what the fuck's going on? This is amazing. And then you get to basically like watch the rest of the MCU and like get back to that point wondering like, how the fuck did we get here? And I just think it'd be, make it, it would make it really, really interesting because you go through all of that and you still get to end with end game. So it's like the important, like kind of final ending points to a lot of those characters. Like it's still uh, like, uh, you know, unspoiled for you, but your introduction is that. And just like how epic some of the fight scenes are, you get to see like what comic book films can eventually become with that big of a budget and like that much like respect paid to the characters, you know? And I just think it'd be, like, awesome to experience MCU, uh, you know, just, like, how excited you'd be to, like, get to be introduced to all those characters, you know, in the MCU versions. You said all of that, and I think, it, in actuality, my response would be, like, the fuck is this? What the fuck is happening? <laughs> because that movie got built up to from 2008 to whatever time um, Infinity War came out, 2018, 2017? That's the thing, though, is like I'm sending it back to my childhood self, so I already know like a lot of those comic book storylines. So I'm, I'm. It's not like you know, That's true. it's not like I'm being spoiled on like some of it. You know, is stuff I had already read. So I, and, and more so, just like being ex- like uh, get to like you get to experience just how like epic those movies could get. You know, eventually, and you're just like, what the fuck's going on? That's true. I uh, I was exposed more to the cartoons than I was the comics. Mm-hmm. So, so uh what what is something you would send back in time to your childhood self run? Man, uh that's a hell of a question. Cuz it's really specific too cuz you know, you want to be able to like properly enjoy it. Yeah. And yeah, I have an I, immediate I, answer but I don't know if it's the one I would actually do or not. It was the first thing that popped in my head, so I assume that's a good sign. I'd say so. But I don't know. Um, What's the one that first jumped to your, your mind? The 2007 Transformers movie. Interesting. Because I, I mean, the 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 thought at the time between me and like uh Mr. Poe, my boss at the time, was holy shit, we're getting a live action Transformers movie. Like I never thought that would happen. Mm-hmm. Um and at the so time it's just like the thought of it existing would get you jazzed as a kid. 
Oh, dude, as an adult, it got as fucking jazzed. Yeah, but especially as a kid, like, it would blow your mind as a kid, you know, getting to realize this is going to happen later, you know? <laughs> if you wanted to fucking ruin me, you could send me that Rise of the Beast trailer to my childhood self, and I think I would just abandon Transformers altogether. Is um, it, I haven't seen the trailer. Is it bad? Oh, I was angry the movie even existed, and I was doing everything I could to avoid that trailer, and it was at the front of John Wick 4. Oh, okay. Uh, so, yeah, I went and saw John Wick 4, but that trailer wasn't attached for me, so I, I haven't seen I it I didn't yet, have so. the Flash trailer. I had, I had John Wick 4. Now, my answer might be, depending on that Flash movie, it might be that Flash movie. Just for more Michael Keaton Batman? Just for more Michael Keaton Batman. That's fair. And, like, seeing Zod punch through the windshield of the Batwing and rip Michael Keaton out of the seat and stuff. Like, holy shit, man. Yeah, the movie um, looks awesome. I couldn't care less about any of the Flash scenes in The Flash, but everything else looks <laughs> fucking dope, dude. I can't wait. <laughs> the Flash, ironically, is going to be about the best Batman movie they've ever made. Um, but just the idea, like, okay, so at the time, he hear me out. I know we've lost half the listeners from my answer, but hear me out. The 2007 Transformers movie has problems, but it's not that bad. And it was the first time I ever saw Optimus Prime... We don't talk about ourselves much on this show, but I was an IMAX projectionist for like nine years. And the IMAX screen that I projected on was 50 feet tall, 70 feet wide. Optimus Prime is 50 feet tall. And there is a shot of him in that second Transformers movie. The forest stuff. In the forest yeah. battle. They filmed yeah, that with an IMAX camera. Quote, unquote, filmed that with an IMAX camera. It's all CG characters. But... Uh, the bottom of his feet are at the bottom of the screen and the top of his head comes to the top of the screen. So you see, you're you seeing life-size Optimus Prime in front of you in that yeah, scene. I actually went and... I, I didn't like the second movie at all, but I went and watched... Dude, that forest battle is like... For the, the forest battle in IMAX, just because it was actually kind of worth seeing just for that in IMAX. It was pretty fucking cool. That forest battle is like four of the best minutes of movies <laughs> like it's just optimus it's, it's, prime tearing yeah. people apart and it's amazing that fucking movie is a piece of shit but that scene is pretty cool if you get to watch it projected like that the reason i love that scene so much not just is that scene cool uh i was a little bit uh probably not angry i was a little bit annoyed at the 2007 movie for optimus prime just sucking real bad at his job like he couldn't fight worth a shit uh, in that first movie, he got his ass handed to him, and Shia LaBeouf saves the day. I'm like, what is happening? Like, just do it, man. Just do it. <laughs> like, Optimus, just get up, man. What the fuck are you doing? He had, um, he had like early. Do you remember early on in the Justice League cartoon, Superman just getting his ass kicked constantly because that's all they did to establish the threat level, right? It had like that syndrome of you know like uh basically we got to show Optimus getting his ass kicked to establish the threat level, not realizing like the entirety of his character is just getting fucking wrecked. <laughs> it's, like, it's not fun for the fans. I I read the prequel to that movie. Uh, Poe bought it and loaned it to me. I think I read it in like two shifts. Um, at the theater. Uh, in that canon. Like, they're already thousands of years old by the time they get to Earth because they're immortal. Like, he has... 
like eons of history fighting Megatron and Megatron's been frozen for a few hundred years and suddenly he forgets how to fight Megatron. Uh, I, it was ridiculous, but that, but seeing that movie, the way I felt seeing that movie for the first time, seeing Optimus in that back alley transform into a robot for the first time on screen. Um, pretty mind blowing for a fan. We've talked about this before. My uh my moral compass as a kid, like I learned everything about like being a good person from Optimus, not not Batman like you did. It was Optimus for me. Um Optimus Prime is still one of my all-time favorite characters out of any media. And to hear Optimus Prime's voice coming out of a live action character on screen, uh that was quite the experience. And I don't love Transformers as much now as I did when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I was completely obsessed with it, and I still love it. But um, I, I'm trying to imagine anything else that would just make my head explode the way that movie would if I was, like, 10. And like you said, like the first one's not terrible. Like it has the the some... first one is bad by default now because the others are so awful. Yeah, but in in like a, in like a nutshell though, it's it's not no the oh worst. no no I got the answer for that Bumblebee. Bumblebee, yeah, Bumblebee, Bumblebee, pretty, dude. The first strong. eleven minutes of Bumblebee, just send me the first eleven minutes of Bumblebee alone. That's that's all you've ever wanted in a live action. You you sat through me watching that movie in theaters. <laughs> I I kept like I I kept restraining myself from just like reaching over and grabbing your arm like we're on an airplane <laughs> taking off and being like Jeff Jeff. <laughs> Soundwave is on screen, Jeff. It's Soundwave, bro. <laughs> like R Ravage was a cassette tape. It came out of his chest as a cassette tape, Jeff. Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty strong. Like Jeff, I just wanted to. Sh I just wanted to throttle you and just be like, Jeff. Wiljack's face lights up blue when he talks, Jeff. <laughs> like, yeah. Because it it, it's just trying to show like like what would most blow your mind as a kid and that totally makes you know it's just like i was saying it's like what would most blow my mind as a kid is seeing that like doctor strange spider-man iron man and captain america are all going to be in a live action movie that is not you know right because you think about like you know i, I was a, a 90s kid they're like superhero movies were a joke for basically like the entirety of the 90s uh, made until, for tv like, captain america movie yeah, like that—that <laughs> that was what I was most exposed to. You know, like the the fucking Schumacher her Batman movies, <laughs> like that shit. The Toxic you know? Avenger. They didn't become decent at all until what, like Blade, and like what was that ninety seven or ninety eight? Like that, you know, they were a joke. And then to get to like realize, Blade was wait, all man. dark and edgy, and that grabbed our attention real fast. Yeah, I actually like yeah. those Blade movies, and even the third one. I don't really remember the third one that much, but I didn't. Then that uh, means you like it more than most people. Yeah, a lot of people fucking hate that movie, but yeah. Uh, I remember really liking the first and second one. Everyone's favorite is the second one, and it's pretty strong, I gotta say. Second one's the Del Toro one, right? I believe so. It's the one with the, what are they, Reavers or whatever? Their, their jaw splits open, they're feeding on vampires. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Del Toro. Yeah, doesn't the second one have Ron Perlman in it, which means it's by default uh, <laughs> Gilmore Del Toro. I was, about to, I was about to say, now that you mention it, there's no way it's not Del Toro, Del Toro with Ron, Ron Perlman. Ron fucking Perlman, man. Yeah, um, yeah I'm going to say... Bumblebee, probably a close second, is Pacific Rim. 
Because I was a big That's... Godzilla fan and yeah. giant robots, Power Rangers and stuff. Just <laughs> <laughs> to have that theme song in my life as a kid. I Hell think, yeah, dude. I think both will blow my mind. I think Bumblebee, though, would probably... I, it would probably end me, to be honest. <laughs> it would probably end 10-year-old me. <laughs> There's nothing else to look forward to in life. I saw Bumblebee. I, I peaked. I peaked 10 years old. But yeah, if um, <laughs> if you would like uh, to have a well, question or prompt. Well, this got grim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to brighten. We got to brighten the mood by talking about memories of murder. <laughs> Uh, if you would let your question or prompt discussed by Ron and, and why myself, wouldn't you after all this? And why wouldn't you indeed? You can always email us screenplayrewind at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at SPR Filmcast. Uh, for as long as Twitter is still in effect, I, I, I am more, I, I'm, uh, you know about the, uh, the whole blue sky oh, thing? Oh, like, yeah. The next thing. And the hell thread? I, I signed up for that fucking lifeboat just because I I, <laughs> I, I want to fucking dip and I never want to think about Twitter again because I'm just kind of done with it, to be honest. So keep an eye out for future uh, uploads from Ron and myself where we might ditch the Twitter. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's about as grim <laughs> as Ron peeking at age 10 because he saw Bumblebee. <laughs> uh, yeah. It scratches every itch. It's a good movie. The Transformers in it are amazing. It's accurate to the show for the most part, right? It's uh, got John Cena. It's got John Cena. What else do you need, man? And then it's um, it has doses of Optimus Prime here and there. And the first 11 minutes is Optimus Prime being a pure badass. And he looks like Optimus Prime. He doesn't have the flames and stuff. Yeah, the first 50 minutes of that movie is all and anyone ever wanted that was a fan of that property like no and one ever gets hurt in the show and like 13 minutes into the movie a decepticon just rips bumblebee's throat out yeah it's metal as fuck like what is happening and <laughs> bumblebee kills him by taking the dude's own missile and jamming it into his chassis yeah i gotta watch that i've actually only seen bumblebee once i need to watch that again <laughs> He, one of the Decepticons kills a human and he explodes into green goo and the lady screams and runs away and the Decepticon goes, I like the way they pop. Uh, <laughs> I love that scene so much. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta watch that again. Cause it's oh, totally yeah. we, solid. we can move on after this. The best line in, I think, any movie I have seen in the last few years is them trusting the Decepticons and John Cena standing there going, they're literally called Decepticons. <laughs> like, why are we doing this? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to move on. Though. This uh, is Friends and Family Month. We got to talk about the movie that Sophie picked. We got to move on. Dude. We got to go. I, so, Ron, uh, first movie. of all, first of all, spoilers for Memories of Murder. And uh, I actually recommend that, uh, just like Sophie told me, if you are not that familiar with this case, go into this movie blind. Because... Yes man like i was on the edge of my seat throughout this like whole movie uh th th this was y you know when you're, you're watching like a really really good subtitled movie and after a point you no longer even realize you're reading yes. dialogue because you're so sucked in that was me after the first couple of like crime scene um investigations in this movie i just got so sucked into the plot of this and not having any familiarity with this real life serial killer and we'll talk later on about some of the 
what eventually happened with this case in real life. This uh, movie is, is fucking not, fascinating. This movie is not kind to the regime or the police in the era either. This movie's ahead of its time in that way. It really uh, is. This came out in 2003, and this has the kind of social commentary you would see in a movie now. Like, yeah. right fucking now. Really ahead of its time. Um, so, this was selected by uh, Soapy. Uh, we alluded to it uh, in the last episode. He considered Parasite from Bong Joon-ho for us to watch, but he wanted something that either of us had watched. Uh, and I'm glad he picked this, because this, like I told you, this has been on my kind of my shortlist for a long time just because I've always heard how fucking good it was. Uh, one of the very first movies that put, you know, Bong Joon-ho on the map and you see why, because this fucking movie, dude, it is intense as fuck and, and probably as hell. Probably one of the best movie posters of all time. It's, oh, dude, that poster is so good. You can't not be drawn in by how just like simple and incredible that poster is. Like, dude, and you think about it. So after you've seen the movie, the how symbolic it is that the girl in red is wearing an umbrella. Oh my god! Yeah, like the poster is fucking incredible. Uh, holy fuck! But yeah, uh, so this is uh, Memories of Murder. This is directed by Bong Joon Ho. He co-wrote it, uh, and then like the I believe the the co-writing uh, credit is from the writer of the play this was loosely based on. I will pull up the uh, Wikipedia page. It wasn't listed specifically on IMDb, but I'm pulling up the Wikipedia page. So it is uh, based on Come to See Me by Kim Kwong uh, Reem. Uh, and again, we're, we're going to butcher a lot of names. I was gonna say, uh, so you're going to have to forgive, forgive us. us for the names. Yeah, we... we We'll do our best, but we, we just don't know the pronunciations, and we sincerely apologize. I it, it, we're just not fluent in in Korean, so we're gonna mess up names. Yeah, we we, we are uncultured Americans. We really are. So uh, yeah, yeah. So it's based on "Come to See Me," which was a play, loosely uh, loosely based on this real life serial killer, which is essentially the Zodiac killer of Korea, like that level of, you know, unsolved case that eventually you know like, just becomes part of like. Cult, like like pop culture you know it's like inescapable there yeah according just, to wikipedia yeah. one of his alternate names is literally korean zodiac killer yeah because he was referred to in, in media so much kind of as that yeah uh let's see yeah what was the uh the, it's kind of known as the yeah the the waste song serial murders is i thought it was a song yeah uh did you no? uh you actually talked about how there was a documentary on roku about this did you watch that i i have not gotten a chance to watch the documentary about this yet but i'm curious to you so first off it's not on roku um <clears throat> just watch is confused because it has the exact same name as a british tv show about okay. about true crime it's um uh i can it's uh catching a killer is the name of the british tv show and the name of the documentary, it's on YouTube in two parts. It's uh, Catching a Killer, the Hassong, uh Serial Killer, I think. Okay. Uh, but it's it's 90 minutes total, but it's edited like it was aired on TV, and it's in two parts. And you can okay. find it in a playlist with both parts. Um, turn the volume down this so it doesn't open up. Um, yeah. Um, Catching a Killer has the Hassong. 
Come on, YouTube. What the fuck? Uh, yeah, so just as a side note, like this is a case I will be like investigating more uh, and looking up documentaries and stuff because I find this case fascinating. And I don't know how much of like a Wikipedia deep dive you did, but some of the stuff that came out later about the killer and like, there was a copycat killer that they thought was the actual like, it's fucking fascinating this this uh this whole thing is something that you know kind of flew under the radar for me because i wasn't that familiar with it yeah i wasn't familiar with this at all and then, like, killer, learning about the it Hussong is... murders okay is what it's called it's on youtube, it's uh, on YouTube. yeah i will be checking it out two because <clears throat> we'll talk a little bit later about the i can the send i can send out. you the link to them too also if you're turned off by this movie because it is subtitled, you're not gonna like the documentary. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I, now I I will say, <laughs> if people are traditionally kind of uh, turned off by subtitles, give this movie a shot because I think the storyline is so gripping, and the way that they present what was at the time, you know, an unsolved murder case, uh, and just the way this movie progresses in the way it ends i i I think you won't care i think you will forget that you're like just like me i think you will forget that you're reading subtitles i was because you just get sucked in i was talking about this aspect uh with my wife uh earlier tonight uh it's it's not like you're watching a jackie chan movie subtitled where by reading the dialogue you're missing the parts that you came to see right the jackie chan parts because you yeah. have to look at the dialogue. This is not like an action uh, movie. It's not a high octane adrenaline rush. It is a uh, based on a historical thing that happened. It's dramatized, obviously, because it is a movie. It is entertainment. Dramatized with a bunch of drop kicks. It, Surprising dude, amount of drop kicks in this movie. That guy is obsessed with drop kicking people. That, that guy. And he's just so shows good up at, at it. it. <laughs> that that guy just fucking show like. You'll you'll be at the dentist office just minding <laughs> your own business. I don't know where this guy will just fucking drop kick you into space. Like the guy is insane at it. I'd do it too if I was that good at it. The guy's just legit at it, you know. And what happens to him is justice in in one way, dude. That's just the yeah. universe. <laughs> the universe coming back at him. He's like the drop kick equivalent of Icarus. He dropped kick <laughs> too close to the sun. <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh, fuck yeah uh i also like uh not even that dude but the uh uh detective park has a drop kick of his own on the other detective guy <laughs> like, when yeah. he drop kicks him down the hill i don't know why man people love drop kicking people in this movie it's Ooh. like man a lot of drop uh, kicking happens in korea a lot of drop you take yeah if you if you take a drink Every time a drop kick happens, you'll have a great evening. You'll you'll be fucking depressed as hell because this movie is sad. This movie uh, is so sad. I feel like we but should. It's so good. I feel like we should also preface this with uh, anything that we say about Korea. We're not talking about the Korean people. Uh, the government at the time, it was not a democracy. Yeah, I believe. It, I don't know if it's a democracy now. I know that that's what the protests are in this movie, is when the the people were wanting to become a democracy. And the uh, government was oppressive. The the police, it's kind of our complaints about the police now. Like, their police are considered part of the military at the time. And they were, it was like a five-star general or a three-star general that was in charge of the police. Uh, Yeah, it's, yeah. that should it, not it, be a like, thing. The military should have no control over the police force. 
yeah that's a terrifying thought and yeah and, and when that happens you basically get guantanamo bay you know the, yeah. the, this this police force uh a few of them are legitimately you know torturing people into i mean we see it in the this scary, movie yeah you see it in this movie and the scary thing is just like how often that happened uh, uh there were there were apparently like several people in real life who had committed suicide after being uh, berated and tortured into confessions yes. from th these police forces. And it's just terrifying because uh, they needed the arrest more than they needed to catch the guy. Yeah. They needed, they needed the, this like, cause they, they constantly talk about, you know, like uh, the reporters and the journalists, you know, yes. it's all about like the PR. Like we gotta, we gotta be seen as the guys who caught the killer, regardless of if it's him or not. You know, so, like, something that I might have, I might have missed. Now, I, to be clear, I only managed to get through part one of the documentary uh, because the thing I told you was forty-five minutes. I literally gave myself forty-five minutes to watch it, and then found out, no, that's not it. And when I found it, it's two forty-five-minute documentaries. So I got to watch part one before recording tonight. Gotcha, gotcha. But it was talking about how it wasn't until like the fourth or fifth killing that it really got uh the the media really got a hold of it and there was like all this pressure that if the police force could not catch the uh killer to resign their positions because it was the public was angry the government was angry because they're looking bad and uh, it's one guy catch this one guy why don't you just catch him just catch him five head yeah just yeah just just catch him and like it wasn't just catching a serial killer it was catching the first known serial killer south korea has ever in you know. in a region of south korea uh, that's the other thing too to be clear this is south korea we're we're probably gonna say korea in America, that refers to South Korea. North Korea is not uh, yeah, Korea. Completely different. Yeah. Yeah. Completely different. Yeah. Uh, so if you're if you're not used to uh, if you're not if you don't live in America, uh, we don't we distinguish them by Korea and North Korea. So we're gonna say we're gonna interchange Korea and South Korea probably. But uh, this is in a region of South Korea that is horribly ill-equipped to handle something of this magnitude they they have no no way to do forensics they have no way to do any kind of dna testing which is relatively new at the time they have no yeah. means of investigation they are comparing fingerprints by hand with magnifying glass uh if we didn't say uh this is this originally happened in 1986 1986 yeah yeah so uh, uh one detail is the the just the agonizing thought of having to wait for that forensic result to come back oh. when you think that you've caught the guy uh and though yeah in real life they had sent it to japan they had yes. not sent it to america they had not sent it to america but still the the idea of having to wait for that result in 1986 agonizing. Agonizing. You're, you're talking about mailing it to a place and then it probably got on a boat or a plane and then flew, and then testing happened, and then it had to be trucked to a place, and either got on a boat or a plane and came back and was trucked back. Like, I don't... They don't say in the movie how long it takes, and they didn't say in part one of the documentary how long that takes. That had to have been months to get back. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, prob one, probably, like two, probably like two months at the absolute earliest. Yeah. The, uh, the movie... Insane. I don't, the movie doesn't give... 
a crazy timeline, uh, a crazy detailed timeline, but uh, the majority of what happens in the movie is like between 86 and 91. Okay. And yeah, like this police force has never had to deal with anything like this. They're ill. They're not trained. They don't have the manpower because the, um, the uh the korean games the documentary refers to it as i don't know if it's the olympics or just something that they do on their own uh again uncultured american but the korean games was happening the president was there uh so the police force and military was all mobilized because it had been threatened by north korea so there there are no spare men there's no one they can send to help with the case they they can't get uh, like a full police force on this case because there's just too much stuff going on diplomatically with North Korea at the time. Uh, and that's on top of all the demonstrations, all the protests wanting to democratize. Uh, and it just left this small town police force with literally just three men on the case. Yeah. And because of the way that the you know military was involved and just how shady these you know officers were you know there was some fucked up shit happening with these interrogations where they were actively you know now i i don't know we're going to talk about some of the stuff in the movie as if it's you know fact it is all based on stuff that happened but it is it's based a on a play edit. it's based on a play based on the facts yeah. so so there's 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 some grains of truth to it but it is dramatized it's not all exactly word for word but it's the the gist of it and based on historical record there you know there were really really shady things happening with you know the like i said the guantanamo bay style you know torture forced confessions and shit going on and some of that is like it's, it's hard to watch yeah. because like you said like all they care about is getting the guy whether he actually did it or not they just they they need the win you know they want the case to be <clears throat> but, to be done you know they they're they're tired of the the public scrutiny uh and you know they didn't care yeah so but, my my question is okay so detective sue who uh is from the oh god he's he's from out of, out of this, like not from the the rural town where the murders are happening he came in from seoul i uh, yes. believe is he based on a real guy who came from, you know, from the capital or from, from out of town? Like, uh, did you learn any more about the specifics as far as like these characters as, as far as whether they're based on actual people or not? Because I haven't everything that I have learned is about uh, the, the killer side of it and not the like the cop side of it. Yeah, so. uh, everything I read is on the killer side and everything that I watched in part one just talks about how, you know, even today there would be just it droves of police on this case. And all they talk about is that there was three. They don't talk about if any of them were from Seoul or specifically or anything. They yeah. they said that there's basically no backup, no reinforcements, no one that can come in, but they never actually said if one of them came in from Seoul. Okay. So, yes. that, so, might, so that might be more artistic liberty for one reason or another. Um, can we talk about something before we move on you mentioned it and i have it on my uh on my okay i was about to say i have it on my list i'm not gonna lie my list is literally just a google doc with the title of this movie written down and the rest of it's blank i opened it in order to write notes and just never took my eyes off the screen 
So Same. I ended up not writing down anything. So my list is all mental, which m- many people would agree I'm mental to begin with. <laughs> um, but I had on my list that change. Why? Th- why that? Why the change of sending the forensics to America, Jeff? What an odd choice that literally doesn't matter to the story. The only thing I can think of is he was trying to basically get, so, get American so people, audiences interested. America. So, they mention America. I'll watch it. Uh, I think it is dramatic shorthand to further explain why it's taking so long, because I think a lot of people would kind of like not take into account. Oh, like you were, like you were talking about how the the agonizing amount of logistical problems it would take to to get that report back in 1986 in South in South Korea. I think it was a shorthand to basically say like this is gonna take a fucking minute and it's gonna it's gonna fucking suck. I the, think it was just short shorthand. The only thing that I could come up with, and it makes no sense. I'm not saying that this is my opinion on it, but the only connection I could draw is when the initial detective we start out with literally tells him. You know, if you want to be basically be you want to be a super cop, go to America and join the FBI. And then later was sending a thing to America when in real life it was sent to Japan. And the only thing I can think of is like, is this a weird callback to that conversation at the bar? Like, why? Why the random change? I I yeah, I I think it's just a combination of like all the above. I I think it's to to further show this is going to take forever and it's going to be. I don't want to get hung up on this, but my my point of why it kind of is weird to me is it doesn't help the story to change it to America. It doesn't hurt the story for it to be in Japan. It literally changes nothing. Yeah, I I, I don't think it was. I I don't think it was. I just thought it was an odd an ulterior detail. motive. <laughs> I, I yeah, it, it is an odd detail. I don't think it had an an ulterior motive. I think it was just kind of shorthand consolidating aspects of the plot they had they had referenced the fbi several times and maybe they just felt like maybe we should involve the fbi then maybe we'll uh involve that is is bong joon ho a big fan of the fbi (laughs) i seriously doubt it because (laughs) dude he already had this view of right law enforcement in 2003 when this like i said before like this is incredibly ahead of its time with its take on the police and this is you know this is literally 20 years ago with the mindset of like where we are now as far as you know not really trusting the bulk of law enforcement as a society you know that like man it's weird this movie like could not be more timely 20 years later yeah uh at least in american politics yeah in american politics for sure man and watching it with like that in the back of your mind just adds so much more weight to it than like than what's already there you're just like fuck dude like it's it's tough it's weird it's one of those things where the subject matter is so heavy and wears on your soul so much but you cannot fucking turn away it's so investing like fuck dude it's gripping like it's, I, yeah, it really I, that's is. not a descriptor I use because that's an eye roll descriptor to me whenever I read a review of something, but it is literally the definition of gripping to me. Yeah. It literally yeah. grabbed me. My phone just went to sleep and nothing was ever written on that blank Google doc. Same. I, I 
it, it was like nothing else existed in the universe but me and the television screen when this was ongoing yes you're so suck like oh that's <laughs> another thing too it's like the the pacing of this is incredibly modern the, yes like this, yes the, the pacing of this is fucking flawless to me like what's crazy too is that when you think about it ron it's like a slow burn that never feels like a slow burn it's so just it's it's hard to explain just how invested I was in it, and as I'm watching it, it's like like this movie is over two hours long, and it feels like a lean ninety minute movie to me. Yeah, it, it, it just flies by, but at the same time, like when when he's trying to get across, like how grueling the time is for them, you know, like when they're just waiting weeks and weeks and weeks, and like they they like you know uh, when. Detective Sue is calling and they're they're like, hey, stop calling. And he's like, I'm calling because it's important, you know? Yeah. And it's just like putting yourself in, in their shoes. It's it's heartbreaking, you know, just putting yourself in their shoes and thinking about how grueling that situation would be. Now, obviously it's dramatized, but Right. I think well, I think what it is a what, movie, what, it what is the, entertainment, and that's important to keep in mind when talking about it in the context of this movie. Uh, yeah, the thing is, that's interesting, you talked about him, you know, literally yelling at the radio station guy. I'm, I keep calling because it's important. Um, and I, the radio station people not keeping the postcards and stuff, even though they specifically asked them to. One thing that was interesting is I think it was like the fifth or sixth death that they finally started acknowledging that this is like the work of one guy that's not going to stop, that these are all related. Mm -hmm. And but the news media didn't even start covering things till like the fifth. So only people in Hassong knew about uh, the killers and them being linked because it's a small enough town that in the documentary, the uh, this one guy that uh, saw the killer face to face, um, he he talked about how everyone in this town literally knows everyone. Everyone yeah. walks past each other, works past each other. They're all related or intermarried somehow. It's a small enough town that everybody knows everybody. So they all have an idea what's going on. Anyone outside of town is just like, wow, there's going to be a lot of people dying lately. And that's, yeah. that's it. It's, you know, it's th this is their about. first serial killer, basically. So, you know, no one's really thinking anything of it like why do you keep calling wanting this why you you know why do you want this so bad we'll have it when we have it we want it so bad because one there's pressure on us to resign if we don't get it uh everyone's telling us what an embarrassment we are the public is getting incredibly angry and people are fucking dying i just want to quickly too uh, so we have to talk about i, I think one of the things that specifically the direction and the cinematography just like knocks out of the fucking park in this movie is so when you think of like serial killer thrillers right the settings you're typically thinking of are like people being tracked through the woods people being tracked down like a back alley in new york but the effect and terror that they get across with just a field yes like that scene when the early on, uh, when one of the first victims is walking uh, down the side of the field and the killer stands up slowly and then retreats back down slowly is one of like the creepiest scenes I've seen in a movie in a long time. 
Yeah. And it's just a guy in a field. That's the same but, one that you hear him whistling along with her singing, right? Yeah, the whistling is just so creepy. Like, man, that, that... But you get what I'm saying, though, like... That's so simple, and they have so little to work with with the setting, and they get so much out of it with it, just, like, the simplicity of... It's just a like there's nowhere to hide, you know. It's just a field. It's it, it is it's such it is such a rare setting for this type of story that it makes it like so like ethereal at the same time because it doesn't feel like your traditional serial killer movie just because yeah, yeah like the crime scene invest- investigations like you know like will feel something like something out of like you know seven which I think was a uh, an influence on this movie for sure. Uh, but man, like, did you, did you also get that as far as just like how bizarre and otherworldly this very, very rural setting is for this type of movie? Which is funny because my understanding is that that's basically common in that, in that area. I mean, that's, that's just what you see. That's what everything around you is. So yeah, that's what that town is known for. So, uh, it's funny that you and I are sitting here talking about like how kind of alien that landscape is when that is every day for these people yeah it's every day for them but it's alien for this type of movie yeah because that's something you never see it's always movie deep in the woods or 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 a back alley in a city where no one's around yeah concrete jungle yeah uh yeah it's um it's interesting uh one thing also i've there the thing about um korean chinese japanese films they all have this look about them that i love and I don't know if that is due to just the technology being used, if it's a cultural thing. Because, you know, American movies kind of all look a certain way. British movies all look a certain way. But You're talking about like the heavy film green kind of look The heavy film green, the dark yeah. saturation of the color. Uh, and it's got a very specific look to it that I've seen in a lot of Asian films to begin with. But there's something that it lends to this movie. It's very... You know what it kind of smacks of to me? It it feels like they're playing on the way um like Korean, Chinese, and Japanese movies usually look. They're playing on it the way they did in Batman the Animated Series by using dark paper instead yeah. of white paper. It feels like they're using uh the graininess and the saturation of the movie kind of against your senses. Cause there is a impending sense of dread in the way this movie is filmed like you you know what is happening and each time we see the next victim just walking their merry way home with the way everything looks with how dark everything it literally feels like you're just standing out in a dark field naked watching this movie yeah it, it, it feels so raw yeah that the scene when they go and talk to the lady who is sick and has like they they look like they're in a slum in Gotham City. Yeah. You know, and you, but you think about it, you know, like that's actually part of the setting there. You know, mm-hmm. it is it is an incredibly rural part of South Korea in 1986. You know, by the way, a lot of these families probably don't even have like air conditioning. Oh, they absolutely time. don't. Y- yeah, it, it's and just to like to think about like that's your setting when you're you're trying and not to mention this is like it does uh it becomes like a part of the plot you know as far as like they, he only kills people when it's raining and it's like they're already like struggling so much to get evidence and when you when you realize like 
you know, like a lot of the evidence they could get is literally washing away. Yeah. Uh, and it, they're it's just like such an impossible task for these guys. No, the they, uh, to to give yeah. you an idea, the documentary talks about how. Uh, in this region at this time, uh, bathrooms were basically like a like a side by side bathrooms that were literally an outhouse apart from the house, and so they didn't have indoor plumbing for the bathroom. There's absolutely I can tell you right now there's gonna be no air conditioner because the way the killer got in to kill the uh, the poor girl that was killed in her room, uh, they criminologist literally talks about how doors lock with a single little latch. It's just a loop on one side and the little, we've all seen it on like sheds uh, and stuff. That little uh, latch that comes down into the loop. That's what locks your door and the doors are made out of paper. So he just stuck his hand through the door and unlatched the door. It's yeah. Like that, that's what we're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. It it, it is just, so it's so tragic, yeah. you know, that they they could barely defend themselves because their police force doesn't even have the technology. Like no. the regular, you know, like the regular day to day people, you know, just going about their lives. You know, like you said, they don't even have indoor plumbing. You know, it there it's so so hopeless that it's so like let's talk about uh so well, we one, need to one thing talk about... I, one thing i wanted to say a minute ago uh before we move too far away from it is you mentioned how it looks like a slum in dark in, in uh, gotham city and that one part there at. it's funny you say that because one of the things i would have written down is that detective park is basically bullock he's the korean he, bullock he, yeah, he really is. Uh, and I, I wanted to quickly talk about uh, him specifically. Uh, so we'll, let's run in the cast and then talk about him specifically. So uh, Song uh, King Ho is us. Detective. <laughs> for, yeah, forgive me for the names, but uh, Song <laughs> King Ho is Detective Park. Uh, Kim Sang Hyung is Detective. They call him Sue, uh, but it is. It's interesting. It's spelled differently in like the IMDb cast versus the subtitles within the movie on Apple, which yeah. is interesting. I, I I don't know. Uh. You have uh, Roha Kim as Detective Cho, Jeho Song as as their basically like police chief, and then you have uh, God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Buckle in. So Hieko as Officer Kwan. But so Song King Ho, who plays Detective Park, is also uh, the guy who played the main character in Parasite. Okay. And he is fucking amazing in Parasite, especially. But he's really good in this too. I absolutely love. And I think it is like the just the gist of the movie, and I think one thing that uh, like I talked about earlier about how uh, Juno absolutely had to have seen and been uh, influenced by Seven, uh, but the fact that you see the two the two leads, you know, these two detectives, and their kind of personalities change over time throughout this case. Yes, and how like just devastating and tragic and but but like it, it, like inescapable it is to to pay attention to like their character development as far as like detective park who is the piece of shit scumbag like literally planting evidence at the beginning of this movie yes and to see him how he's changed by this case versus how sue is changed by the case so it's interesting they become more like the other throughout the duration of the case because detective park 
realizes that if they don't catch the right guy, this isn't going to stop. Yeah. You know, it no longer becomes like a one-off bullshit He starts to care after a while. He starts to care because he realizes that these are, these are not... So if he, you know, puts away the wrong guy for a bullshit one-off case, it isn't going to be a repetitive thing. It doesn't matter to him as much. But when he realizes that if he doesn't put away this guy, women are going to continue to die. He becomes more invested and starts to look at it like Sue does early on in the movie as your kind of traditional cop as far as, you know, like the good cop. Yeah. You know, he's trying to, like Sue early on in the film you know, is presented as the kind of like what you would think of as the kind of traditional kind of super cop. You know, he's really good at what he does. He wants to put away the guy. He's incredibly motivated. And Detective Park is just like the shit bag, like, like the Bullock, you know, like worse than Bullock, though, because he's literally fucking planting evidence and torturing. Yeah, at the end of the day, in fact, I just watched that episode with my kids recently. Bullock does actually care and follows the law at the end of the day. He's just a yeah. shitbag about it. He's just an asshole. In fact, Gordon uh, has a line in that episode where he tells Batman, he, uh, he's like, look, Bullock may be hard to work with. He's hard to like, but he's a good cop. <laughs> yeah, he's a good cop. <laughs> and to see them like flip and become more like the other person throughout the movie, like by the end when Sue is just so... Uh, so, so we didn't talk about at one point they believe they've caught the guy. They're like 99.9% sure they've caught the guy Great and they're scene. just waiting and they're just waiting for the, the DNA sample to come back to confirm it. So they're watching this guy 24 seven that they think is the guy. Sue happens to be the guy watching him. He falls asleep on the job because he's just so run down because of how exhausted they are from how many years they've been on this case by now you said it was like five years worth of time right as yeah far as something like, like investigating. that it's like yeah, it's, it's like been 86 several, to 91 yeah it's been several years uh maybe more like months like you said they're kind of vague with the time passing in the movie i think intentionally just to kind of like put yourself in their shoes as far as like time would begin to disappear you know that you're so invested and you're so like singularly motivated on the job that you know like time would just melt away because all that exists is the case and trying to catch the killer so it's been so much time and he's happens to be the one watching him when he falls asleep for just a second and he, he gets away and he uh, he the killer you know you don't know at the end of it but they believe that because he got away for a second he's able to kill again and sue blame obviously blames himself and Sue is ready to just fucking Frank Castle him at the end. Yeah. Regardless of... So, so what happens when they actually get the DNA result back is it's inconclusive. And they say that it's... Uh, the, the DNA says it's not him. <laughs> so real fast about that scene. When it comes back, did you have to pause to read? Um. Uh, so the, I rewound it for a second to uh -huh. like read the, the entirety of it right but my, my eyes kind of jumped to like it being inconclusive as so, far as it not being him i had to speed read that paragraph because it's funny the only part of the movie that's in english is the report from the fbi on paper but the part that's important is the bottom two sentences which pop up as a subtitle in Korean at the bottom of the screen, and they give you just enough time to read those two sentences. And I yeah. was fucking speed reading that entire paragraph to get to the important part because I can't read Korean. Yeah. So, <laughs> I was just like, ah! I don't know why. I can pause it at any time. 
I can rewind it at any time. But for some reason, just, ah, okay, I read it. And that's about the amount of time they gave you to read it. Yeah, they really did. <laughs> like, you know, I, I, I get it. It's, it, was, it was made for Korean audiences, and they highlight the part for them. But they didn't highlight it on screen. They just put the subtitle in Korean on mm-hmm. screen. So I was like, what to say, what to say, what to say, what to say. Yeah. Yeah, because... God, dude, you're, I, you're, I know you're what it's going of... to say, but I need to read it, you know? Yeah, and and you're just, like, on the, the fucking edge of your seat because the, the last, like, 20 minutes of the movie is just, like, fucking nuts. It's a different movie almost in a good way. Yeah. Uh, it, but... it, it earns the right to go into different territory because it slowly built up to this ending. Yeah, and, and it comes to a head as far as, like, the development of the characters because Sue has become what Park used to be you know, willing to do just terrible, terrible things, you know, in order to basically just get the job done. He is so like, he he's basically like just so worn down and broken that he, he views this as a guy. He's going to take him out regardless of whether he did it or not, just in the chance that he is right. Because he, at that point he, 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 you know, he's just like park used to be, you know, he, he doesn't care. He just needs, you know, the case to be closed you know he just he, he needs it to be over whether he did it or not and park at that time has just flipped the opposite direction and actively stops him from trying to kill you know he ends up shooting at him a few times and you don't actually know at first whether he shot him or not and then he gets up and you know the the guy runs away showing that he didn't get shot by uh sue but you don't know at first but that scene is so harrowing dude it, it, like you said like, it's fucking gripping and you know most most movies don't earn that adjective like you said earlier but this movie totally does yeah it uh it there's a a couple of notes that's important to note here korean audiences would know this um that's why it's hardly mentioned in the movie because this is a very important time in history not just for the murders but uh, politically of what's going on in korea at the time and a lot of the the irony of what sue is doing he he thinks that you know Park and Cho are just awful, awful people, scumbags. That there's everything wrong with the police when he first gets there, and he kind of slowly becomes them. And what this movie is kind of about is the police brutality at the time, which is what a lot of the protests that are happening in the movie and on TV in the movie and stuff are about: is the police brutality and wanting to become a democracy. Uh, so police brutality plays a big part even in the background and they don't i think they call it out explicitly like one time in the movie because korean audiences would know this already it wouldn't need to be called out to them Mm -hmm. um the other thing that's interesting to call out about the killer is i found this out in uh middle school because the school i went to we had a bunch of uh exchange students from south korea and they would uh talk about it but there is mandatory military service. I think it was two years. Okay. Um, that everybody has to go through. So literally anyone that could be the killer would have military training. Oh man, I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, that's the one. Then they're talking about how there's no evidence. Everything's clean. There's like certain types of knots being tied, and it takes like special things, like special like the one dude's hands couldn't. He couldn't possibly tie those knots with the hands and stuff. He, they have military training. The way that shows him stalking the uh, the lady in the trees and stuff, 
he he would have military training because it's mandatory in South Korea. Just and also just like uh to your point earlier when you were talking about how like everybody knows everybody and just like that that mindset of it can't be anyone because everyone knows everybody but it is it has to be someone exactly and, and just like you can trust and at the same time not trust anybody it, it's it's fucking haunting to think about dude like you realize like why this has been in the public mind you know for so long is because it's it's terrifying and it's heartbreaking and some of like the crazy stuff we haven't talked about, like let's let's talk about some of like the real life uh, case stuff as far as what's happened in the last few years. Is uh, ha- had you done much digging? I-, I know you said you watched like the first half of one of the documentary uh, things on YouTube, but I have, uh, you, have you read about what what happened with just about like four years ago with this case? Yes. So yeah, let's this talk about insane. it. This is insane. It's it's absolutely crazy. So. Let's see. I'm finding the okay. So more than 13 years later, after the film, uh, so so it's, it's actually about more than 16. I was gonna say 16 years. Yeah. Yeah. So the Wikipedia page is is dating it to when the statute of limitations had ended for the last known victim. Which so more than 13 I, years later, after the statute of limitations had been reached for the last known victim, on September 18th, 2019, police announced that a man in his 50s, Lee Chun Jae, had been had been identified as a suspect in the killings. He was identified after DNA from the underwear of one victim was matched with his, and subsequent DNA testing linked him to four of the other unsolved serial murders. At the time he was identified, he was already serving a life sentence in prison in Busan for the rape and murder of his sister-in-law. Lee initially denied any involvement in the serial murders, but on October 2nd, 2019, police announced he had confessed to killing 14 people, including all 10 serial murders. Two of the additional four murders happened in Suwon, and the other two happened in Shangju. As of October 2019, details about the victims have not been released because the investigation is ongoing. In addition to the murders, Lee also confessed to more than 30 rapes and attempted rapes. After Lee's arrest, Boong Joon-ho, the director of this film, commented, When I made the film, I was very curious, and I also thought a lot about this murderer. I wondered what he looked like. He later added, I was able to see a photo of his face, and I think I need more time to really explain my emotions from that. But right now, I just like to applaud the police force for their endless effort to find the culprit. The, the the killer, Lee, had watched the film while incarcerated, yes. stating, I just watched it as a movie. I had no feeling or emotion towards the movie. Which is when the I read that, that is one of the most chilling sentences I've ever read in my life. I'm not yeah. going to lie. It, it it actually like makes your blood run cold. That is literally the definition of a psychopath. Just insane, dude. I am so glad he was already incarcerated because could you imagine them being able to find this guy but not being able to do anything about it because of the statute of limitations? Have you that- seen the uh, the police sketch? I have not. The uh, They show the police... I mean, it's... Most of the opening to the documentary is this police sketch, like, tiled on the screen. Uh, this guy looks very much like that police sketch, the photo they have of him. Okay. Um, which uh, was a, a photo from 1983, I believe Wikipedia is saying here. So this is what he'll take three years before the uh, before the murders happened, and that police sketch is identical. What's also crazy is uh, I, I don't know if you had have you have you seen much about the copycat killer? 
the, no. The, the cop the copycat killer is also fascinating. So let me find the actual like uh the Wikipedia pages that I had found about the, the copycat killer is also really, really interesting. So it basically there were okay, here it is. Uh, so it's the wrongful conviction of Yoon Sung uh Yo. So this guy was sentenced to life in prison. Basically, uh, but uh, and was believed to have been the actual killer, but they were able to figure out that he was a copycat killer and had made false confessions about the kill, like the killings. Right. Basically, he, you know, he 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 copied the mo because the MMO, the mo was you know so well known throughout the country that yeah, he was able to basically like recreate what the original killer had done in order to be the copycat killer and kind of like take credit for it. And they eventually had to have, oh, that, yeah, that is crazy. Rhonda just sent me in Discord the sketch he had. Yeah, it is, even the mouth, like, the expression in the eyes, like, it is literally the exact same expression on the face. Uh, so that in December haunting. 2019, the uh, a police agency who uh, basically was like a South Korean equivalent of, like, internal affairs... Uh, booked and charged eight of the original investigators with abuse of power and illegal detention for allegedly physically abusing Yoon when he was a suspect, forcing him to make a false confession and falsifying investigative documents. So not only was he a copycat killer, but he was also, through uh, police brutality, forced into making false confessions. Which makes, story, which makes like, sense, this, because they were so hard after getting an arrest. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the court accepted Yoon's plea for a retrial in January 2020. The final court hearing was held on November 2nd, 2020, where Lee stood as a witness confessing to the murder and describing the crime scene. Uh, Yoon Sung Yo was acquitted of murder on 17 December 2020 after the retrial court accepted that Yoon was innocent all along and finding Lee guilty of Beck's murder despite the expiration of the statute of limitations. The, dude, this is so fascinating to me. I, I can't imagine watching this movie and being able to kind of like deep dive into all this and not just be absolutely gripped by how crazy like, like every like permutation of the of of the story, you know, like with the copycat killer and the, the police brutality angles of it and just the fact that like this movie happened before this was solved. Yes. And the like the 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 ending of the movie is so interesting. Uh, when you take into account like when it was made and you know it would be what 16 years later before they actually officially figured out who it was right. so like when this movie was made there was a decent chance no one was ever gonna know mm -hmm. like uh and i know a lot of it is dramatized obviously but i, I really think that he took the the kind of uh, nuts and bolts of the story and what it is is it's trying to like put like how 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 would you react and how can a person react when you're put in this impossible situation trying to catch this guy in what is essentially you know 1800s level technology with the way that like you said they, they have outhouses they you know they don't have indoor, indoor plumbing they don't have air conditioning it's a, you have to send your dna result uh away to a different country to get it back you know months or weeks later and I, I I just I I cannot imagine, like I cannot imagine being in these guys' shoes. Real quick, I just found one thing I was looking for. I might have misheard you, 
Um, but I just wanted to, I just wanted to clarify, uh, in case I didn't, um, he had also confessed to the copycat crime. Uh, he, okay. he, uh, there was not like the dude that, um, that went to prison. He hadn't, he was completely innocent because that's what the first part of the documentary is about. Um, okay. Yeah. He, he, he hadn't killed anyone at all. He was completely innocent. And, uh, this, uh, shit bag, what's his name? Lee, Lee Chun Jay. He uh, had, uh, confessed to even the copycat crime he says here he confessed to four undisclosed murders not originally in the original list of crimes hang on not originally included in the original list of crimes why does that sound weird to read out loud (laughs) um that seems oddly worded but he basically he confessed to four undisclosed murders that they didn't know about plus all 10 serial murders and the copycat he confessed to all of it. So that brings the total to what? 15? Yeah. Right there. Uh, yeah, it's... Everything about this case is fascinating, including the fact that the government... So this movie sparked a, a reinvestigation into the case, basically because the public got interested in it again, and there was new technology available. And they... They extended the statute of limitations specifically to do this because we were coming up on the statute of limitations for the final victim. Mm-hmm. So they actually extended the statute of limitations. Nothing came of it. So they reverted the statute of limitations. And then when he confessed, they convicted him of them anyway, <laughs> despite the statute of limitations, which is both an odd sense of justice and a human rights violation at the same time. Now, uh, Wikipedia credits it as the only kill he was officially convicted of was the sister-in-law. Yes, that is true. But he had confessed to 14 of them. So he was already in prison for life because of the the murder of his sister-in-law. Yeah, it's it's hard to, like, keep track of because of how fucking crazy this all is. I don't know how I hadn't really, like, heard of this. Yeah, I had never heard of this before this movie. And... Uh, It's... Absolutely I, I, insane. I find myself doing deep dives on it now. Yeah, I found I, I, I found be... a few podcasts. Um, one of them is a uh, a Filipina host that does uh true crime, and she does uh deep dives. She uh she even says in the opening to the episode covering this that she has to uh release fewer episodes because of the amount of research in between. She had underestimated. This is like her fourth episode is this gotcha. case i think uh i think i would take this on in podcast form true crime podcast form maybe at like the five year mark because of the amount of research you would have to do to straighten out the tangled bullshit that is this case yeah um i mean okay the beginning of this movie the, okay, this movie has odd yet dark moments of levity to it that are kind of genius can we talk about that for a minute did i i feel like i had originally stopped you in your tracks was there something you needed to finish saying before we switch gears uh, no no go ahead go ahead okay i'm sorry i'm kind of all over the place tonight i haven't had a lot of sleep and i've been working outside and i'm i've got the sun crazy um <laughs> also known as dehydration uh <laughs> so the opening to this movie 
we see no one can simply walk down a hill. Like, the cops are so inept in this town that, like, three or four different people when we cut the camera to just tumble down the hill when they try to walk down it. They can't even walk down a goddamn hill. Things like that. And that's the beginning right after we see the body. This movie opens with the body of the first body found, but second victim, right? They didn't know about the first one. Um, Who knows? But, uh, you know, it's a very serious, dark thing. And then when we cut to the police swarming the area, everyone is just comically rolling down this hill like it's a Three Stooges thing. But... It's a dark note also because you're the people investigating and you're tampering with evidence. You're like destroying evidence. You're destroying the scene. You're falling around all over the place. Like it just shows how inexperienced they are and just how like unable to cope with things they are. Even a hill, right? We have later. We have later when we're deep in the trenches of this thing. uh, Ooh, no pun intended. Um, where fucking Detective Park, Detective Harvey Park Bullock is his <laughs> big idea is since we're not finding pubic hair, he must be a baldy. So he goes to a bathhouse. Oh my God. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> like, so what the fuck are you doing, bro? <laughs> is okay. Uh, so, uh, one of the things that Sophia actually mentioned about this, uh, when he picked this, was he you know he was talking about if we could kind of within this movie kind of like see uh any kind of inclination on like the future success of you know bong joon ho as as a director a lot of that like juxtaposition of tone is actually in parasite as well where, where like parasite will have something that is just like absolutely fucking devastating you know but then five minutes later can have something that is like cartoonishly over the top and by the end of the day, you're like, on paper, it shouldn't work. But at the end of the day, it does. Well, the reason it works is because it's not aimless. They're yeah. showing just how inept and how unprepared someone like Detective Park is for a case of this magnitude, right? Like, it, they don't have the proper training. Uh, they don't, they're not usually even concerned with solving the crime. Just plant some evidence or tamper with some evidence, find a, a poor schmuck brainwash them into confessing and throw them in prison case closed yeah he he also uh within the movie when uh after you know his whole baldy thing falls apart he goes to a shaman and is doing the spell of with the blood on the parchment this will reveal the face of the he's like doing like like voodoo well before that happens He's like, you're not going to sell me that talisman as soon as she pulls it out. And it cuts to him with it on the ground as they're yeah. pouring. The sh- <laughs> like, what the but, fuck? Um, and he's complaining he can't get reimbursed for the bathhouse. Yeah. But, but like, <laughs> even the sergeant is like, how would you even test something like that? Right? Like, how would you even investigate something like that? And then it hard cuts to him at the bathhouse. But Just what staring at people. What I mean by the fact that it's not aimless is because this type of shit happens within context of the story, and it is happening with a purpose to show you just how unprepared they are for this case. And that mm-hmm. is what makes it this really dark humor. And you combine that with the overall tone of the movie 
the fact that this is a real thing that happened and again just the look of the film you combine all those things together and like this humor and like you said juxta juxta uh, uh, say it for me juxtaposition yeah juxtaposition i i don't know why i can't say it uh it's late it's late forgive us it really is um but the tone the mismatched tone how about that um works because i it it's hard for me to even put into words to describe this. It's a genius way to bring levity to a dark subject while still hammering home the point you're trying to make. Right. Like all the, the moments that we do get with him at the bathhouse, him at the shaman, people literally just one after the other rolling down a hill, like goddamn Sonic the hedgehog, um, just end over end. It's a dark form of comedy that fits the tone because it is still showing just how bad these people are at their jobs. And it also uh, just shows like, so like his reaction with like the, the types of investigations he's doing when, when he's going to the, like the links of the Baldy investigation <laughs> and the, the fucking like magical spells he's trying to do and shit. This case is so like cataclysmically awful. Your brain can't help but just kind of like jump to absurdities because they can't comprehend like the the darkness of it. Yeah. It's so like it's so out of left field for them. And you 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 like you think you said it like really well like I don't think I've said anything well tonight. <laughs> Juxtaposition did it. Juxta nailed it. In, in the in the show now. We'll fix, we'll fix it in post. <laughs> I w- we won't fix it. Both. No, we won't. Uh, we're too lazy. But man, but uh, my 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 only point was a lot of that juxtaposition, Ron, uh, <laughs> in tone as far as like him balancing something absurd with something very very deep is something that would continue all the way into Parasite because Parasite has a lot of that same type of like on paper. It should not work at all, and he kind of finds a way to make it work, and it's it's just like a uh, the balancing act is crazy. Now, what's interesting? And we have is... to have Parasite on this show eventually, just to uh, to kind of like as like kind of like a follow up to this, and just kind of like track because I Parasite is great. I think I might like this better than Parasite. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had warned be... me when I expressed interest in Parasite that I may not uh, care for it. If it's anything uh, in the vein of this, I'm probably going to be all about it. I I see. I hadn't. Uh, I I had known that how much like this would land with you. With like now now knowing that this landed with you like really really well, and you genuinely love this, I think you will really like Parasite. I don't know if it will be better because this is just such like a fucking masterclass of tone. And I I think also just how fascinating, like the real life aspect of it, like you can finish the movie and go deep diving just to learn about the case. And it's just like the whole thing is so fascinating, both from. So so it's also interesting is like he has these moments of levity and it never feels disrespectful either. Like that's 
that takes a lot of courage to even introduce those aspects into the film, especially as like an early on in your career filmmaker. This is only one. This is one of his like first movies, right? I'll, like I'll, I'll yeah. fact check that, but I think it was one of his first movies. And all of those moments are also used as almost a uh, a uh, a political. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Jeff? Why am I falling apart near the end of the episode? <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Um, Mm, I can't think of the word, but it's it's almost a political statement because it's always the police that have these really idiotic, like, baldy moments, right? Satire is that the word you're looking yeah, for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this it, is it, his it, second. This is his second feature length movie. Jesus Christ, that's fucking insane. Also, the whole baldy conversation he has with the chief and him at the bathhouse. Lends a whole new uh, meaning t- for me for a scene in Bleach when someone just runs around calling this person baldy, 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 baldy over and over <laughs> and over and over. Oh, that's great. Bobby knows. He borrowed all my Bleach DVDs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but just insane directing. That Just the fact that this is a second movie. There's so much confidence like you can really see like uh another movie of his that I really need to watch that uh has also gotten a lot of buzz is uh is it Okja Okja the Oh yeah yeah I've, that's seen, from I've him. seen the poster and I've heard of it. Yeah, that's I've heard him. a lot of mixed things about that one but I could see it being mixed with an American audience if it's anything like this movie. Yeah. And that's the thing too is like I really appreciate the fact that he just kind of like swings to the fences with this stuff. You know, a- he's not a, he's not afraid to be uh, like, you know, there's a lot of strangeness to this movie uh, and he's he's not afraid to, you know, add in <laughs> the, the Baldy investigation, right. you know, I, I like that confidence of I have a know, question for you going off script with it. Uh, go ahead. If you gave Bong Joon-ho a superhero movie to direct. What would you give him? John Constantine. Ooh, that's a good answer. That's what I would pick. What about you? First thing that popped in my head was the question. Oh, that'd be good, too. Like the kind of noir. Yeah. Aspect. I know oh, that man. that's almost typecasting because of this movie. I don't care. I want it. I want it. But it fits, right? Yeah. Man. This this movie, dude. This movie, this movie made us pull me. out the this fucking movie fucked question. Me up, dude. I'm not going to lie. No. I was uh I I was just staring at my Oh, also like that that final scene when When it part, fades to black. It's it's uh what is it? Is it like 17 years later? Uh, Park. Uh, it's basically like an epilogue. He is no longer a cop. Like this case just kind of broke him. He, he's no longer able to be a cop. He's like uh, they 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 show what he is. I forget what his new career is, which, but he's by no the way, longer in law enforcement. Which, by the way, is a subtle way of saying the serial serial killer won. Right, like he yes. he broke the police. He's not a police officer yeah. anymore. He's no longer a police officer. Uh, a detective. Sorry. It, it, it very much, very much homaging the ending of Seven. Actually, uh, now that I think about it, uh, so it it shows uh, Park in the fu- like seventeen years in the future. He is traveling on like a like a business trip, uh, and he stops at the location where he you know discovered the the, the first body they had found, and a little girl you know asked him like what's he doing and she talks about how uh, coincidentally she had seen another person an ordinary looking person looking in the exact same spot and had remarked about how he had done something there a long time ago he was reminiscing about something yeah and the movie just i believe it specifically uses the word reminiscing about something he did here long ago 
Yeah. And he asks her, he immediately goes into cop mode. You know, he asks her like, Hey, what did he look like? And she says, he did not just like an ordinary guy. And it just ends, you know, on that running theme of his kind of, uh, ongoing so at the very beginning of the movie park is all about his i can look into the eyes of a guy and know if he's the guy you know i i, I can tell the criminal from the non-criminal just by staring into his eyes and like with it ending on him just like a close-up of his reaction and his his acting in that scene is is like mesmerizing it's so, so good when i saw avengers endgame there is a time jump of five years in that movie and when the screen goes black after Thor walks away from the camera, the screen fades to black. The number five fades in on screen, and you could hear a fucking pin drop in that theater. Yeah, you and really then when the word when the word years fades in, the entire audience audibly gasped at the same time. And what brought me back to that is when this movie fades. And when it fades back in, it has a fade out and a fade in. But at the bottom of the screen is 2003. I made an audible noise when 2003 faded in. Mm -hmm. Because I'm unfamiliar with this case. I'm unfamiliar with yeah, this movie, too. this story. Yeah. I didn't know they hadn't caught the guy. I, I mean, either. So I'm so, I'm so glad I, I didn't know anything about it because it made it even more gripping. Yeah. To be, to be finding out that it's not, you know, it's not exactly what happened, but... To find out that at that time, you know, it was an ongoing investigation. It, like, it, like it, it was no longer like a known fact about a serial killer who was caught. It was a cold case. Yeah. To like figure that out in re in real time, along with the movie, is a crazy way to experience it. And I'm I'm glad that we kind of went in not knowing anything. I think when it came in, I did something like, G like I made like an audible noise in place of a gasp when. That faded in at the bottom, and he's no longer a cop, and we moved on into the epilogue. Um, a theme throughout the actual investigation in real life was that anyone who had any kind of lead on him, their only description of him was he was just an ordinary-looking guy. Like, there was nothing that stood out about him. He just looked like your average, ordinary dude. Yeah, and that is a, Yeah, and that is a thing in this movie that they keep hearing is, he just looks like an ordinary guy. And when that little girl basically implies that she brushed up against Satan himself a couple of days earlier, mm -hmm. like Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. To know that he's still out there. Yeah. Right. And that he's doing the same thing Park is doing, but on different sides of it. Right. Like he's coming back and reminiscing about something he did here a long time ago. And yeah, Park is there lamenting something he did here a long time ago. So it's it's very interesting the way this movie balances everything. It, there is this hidden dark force in this movie that we never see, but we fucking hate the guy so much for a character we'd never see or interact with. It's mm -hmm. it's insane how many buttons this uh this movie can push on the audience. Yeah, uh, another like buzzword kind of movie adjective that you know is overused to the point of usually having no meaning is like chilling. Yes. I, this movie is legitimately chilling when you watch it, especially if you go into it not knowing anything about it. Like, fuck, dude. When like like I said, this movie fucked this movie fucked me up. 
I was just like sitting there just kind of like uh we, like we go along for like that especially like with the epilogue with with park you know you're just like fuck dude like, I did you really get away was literally depressed at the end of this movie when the screen faded to black I literally just kind of sat here for a moment and then yeah. when the credits were in full swing I, I I watched it in my office next to my computer I literally just pulled up the internet and started researching this thing while the credits were going, which did not yeah, me help too. my mental state. That did I not. I did the exact same thing. I did the exact same thing. Yeah, I, I was do not recommend you credits. do that. <laughs> also, the also what's going on with the credits is just like the field. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and that, the scarecrow. Yeah. Fuck, man. The scarecrow it, talisman is described as on Wikipedia. Yeah, this movie is something else, and for it to be a second movie. Yeah. Good God. Man. Uh, like I, I, I am now. I, I really, really liked Parasite. I love this. Like I'm, I'm kind of like all in. I gotta check out more of his stuff now. Uh, just to, just to see. Yeah, I'm but, curious. Yeah. Uh, was there anything else with uh, Memories of Murder that you? Uh, by the way, thank you, Sophie, for making us watch this. Because Jesus Christ, this movie is probably one of the better things we've covered. If uh, I would say there is uh, no was... real way to describe this movie to anyone. If you had described this movie to me, I probably would have been like, "Oh, that sounds interesting," and never watched it. <laughs> So I am very thankful that Sophie brought this movie to our attention and used our own forces against us and forced us to watch this movie because <laughs> I probably never would have uh, checked it out just because, you know, I'm lazy about things. I'm like, oh, yeah, it sounds interesting, but I never would have gotten to it. And yeah. I am so happy that I, uh, that I sat down and watched it. Yeah, it's I, great. I paid uh, money to watch it, and I do not regret it. Yeah, I... Uh... I can't fathom ever watching it again. Yeah. Just because it's, I, I feel like it, it is just so like heavy on your soul. Uh, as I, I think it makes it so imagine too, you and I were able to watch the movie, go online and see that the guy was caught eventually. Yes. If we were in 2003, you know, if we were retroactively watching this when it was still a cold case, can you imagine watching this movie going online and realizing the guy was never fucking caught? Yeah. Like, just the that sitting in the back of your mind is just like it was for these cops. You know, just like it is for cops and detectives in real life every single day. You could catch a hundred killers, but it's the one that you didn't that would be in the back of your mind for eternity. Yeah. And, you know, just that constant feeling of, like, failure... And you see it all, dude, like, you see it all over Park's face. Like, Song Kang-ho in that final scene is so good at conveying just, like, the the shock of realizing that this girl had just stumbled upon him coincidentally just, you know, just a little while earlier. And he just missed yeah. him. He just missed him. He's still out there. He, you know, like you said, the guy, the, the bad guy won. You know, he got away. It's like fuck, dude. It's such a heavy and and then you add to so all good. of that that this was real. That it, yeah, that it's real. It 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 would be haunting if it wasn't real. Yeah. Uh, and that extra layer of it being based on a true story just it, it's it's bonkers, man. Like uh yeah. Uh, what was the name of the podcast that you found about it? Because I would like to do if, I, if uh, I didn't listen to the uh the podcast because I'm old. And I, there are certain mediums I still don't trust for factual information. I, I know nothing about the podcast. It's probably factual. Um, okay. But I, I listened to it uh, for a few minutes, and then I was like, you know, I, I'm gonna go 
record my own podcast talking about this. I want to do something I maybe trust a little bit deeper. So okay. uh, naturally, I turn to the TV because you can't lie on TV or misrepresent anything. <laughs> I, it's I, against the rules. I'm trying to convey that I understand my logic makes no sense, but <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm old. You know, anyone can post anything the, on the, the internet. The YouTube doc sounded legit, though, right? Absolutely. Uh, okay, so I'll, I'll at least check out the YouTube doc. Uh, you'll have to send me the links to it because uh, um, I, I definitely want to dig into that. I'm trying to look at. I had. Isn't there a way to see your your history of like what you listen to? Typically, because I listened to uh, it for a few a few minutes and then before I turned it off. I'll do some of our plugs real quick while you're digging for that. Uh, if you would like to follow the show more, you can check us out on Twitter at SPR Filmcast. Uh, any ratings or reviews on whichever platform you found us on is always appreciated. Uh, be sure to like and subscribe if you are catching us on our YouTube uploads. Really appreciate that. And uh, share us out to your friends. Uh, and man, check out Memories of Murder because this movie will fuck like this movie will, like fuck you up. But it, it's like a must-watch movie to me. I, I think you gotta gotta check it out. Uh, oh, here it is. Uh, yep, it's a forty-five minute uh, episode. <laughs> me with the forty-five minutes, and it turns out to be ninety. Um, like I said, I know nothing about this podcast or this lady. Um, so I'm I didn't turn it off due to anything about her or the podcast. I just got a funny feeling I needed to find a different source if I was gonna sit down in front of a microphone. Uh, gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, if if a poor sh if it, some poor schmuck like me can get a microphone and put out a podcast, I mean, literally anyone can put anything out. True. Um, so that was my only thought. But it's called Monsters Among Us, a Filipino slash Asian true crime podcast. Again, you gotta you gotta forgive me. Um, her name, Chachi. Caneso? Uh, see, Fili Filipino and Filipina names are sometimes weird because they have a lot of Hispanic influence. So there's like a weird mix of Asian and Hispanicness to their names. I have yeah. no idea how to pronounce this. I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't either. I don't blame you. That's that's why my wife's name uh, is CR, Christina CR, because that's the Hispanic spelling uh, for gotcha. Christina. Um, Speaking of Christina. She is oh, next, next up on Friends and Family Month, so would you like to announce what we're going to be covering next week, Ron? Her pick, and you're going to love the why, is <laughs> Moulin Rouge. Okay, okay. So, we recently talked about chick flicks a few episodes ago. Um, then, we have been watching with the kids, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And the Star Wars uh, movies, the the main main entries, the episodic movies, and basically she just wasn't finished watching Ewan McGregor, and she wants to watch this movie with me because Ewan McGregor. I've never heard a better reason. Yeah, so I mean, well played. Fuck, Nicole Kidman's in this movie, and I want to watch it for Ewan McGregor. I mean, <laughs> come on, he's he's Ewan goddamn McGregor, man. Ewan goddamn. McGregor. Um, I I just want to quickly point out the friends and family roller coaster of Tammy and the T Rex <laughs> to memories of murder to Moulin Rouge. That is wild. I I just imagine someone catching our podcasts like <laughs> what the two fuck years, is this? like two years from now, and seeing like a pretty constant trend of like 
oh, here's some horror movies. Here's some like '90s like Deep Rising style movies, and you know, there's like there's like a through line, right? And then you get a Tammy and the T Rex, Memories of Murder, and Moulin Rouge. And you're just like, what the fuck happened? What, like, what were they smoking <laughs> that month? Uh, just looking at the catalog as a whole without context has got to be a trip in the future for somebody. <laughs> but yeah, it's a. Uh... It's got a really good, uh, really good cast. It is a I, musical. I've never, I've never seen. So you said you'd seen it, right? Because I've never seen Moulin Rouge. So I remember, um, I don't. It says here it came out in two thousand one, but we must have. It must have been nominated for an award of some sort because I remember seeing some of it through the projection booth window. And I wasn't working at the theater then. And sometimes when things are nominated for a reward, they put them back out in theaters. I said reward. I meant award. Um, they put him back out in theaters. So that must be where I first saw bits of it, but I saw it in its entirety, uh, I believe, with my wife at her parents' house when we were dating. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, what's interesting, too, is I used to kind of just kind of shrug off musicals because they were just kind of never for me. I've kind of come around to them a little bit over time as I've gotten older. So Is that over Aurora time? Um, it's uh, the, actually the one that kind of like converted me a little bit was Hamilton. Okay. Uh, Hamilton. I started to kind of be a little bit more open to it and, uh, have watched, you know, like more of the last uh, oh, few years. Shit. Of that. I'm going through the pictures on IMDb and there's a straight out fucking spoiler for the end of the movie in the IMDb photos. Okay. I will not look at the photos <laughs> then. So good. Good to know. <laughs> Ian McGregor and Nicole uh, Kidman. I'm going to go through the photos and there's a straight up fucking spoiler. <laughs> That's crazy. Sorry, yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off. Moderate. I wanted to. I was half shock, half needing to get that out there. No, you're you're good. You're good. Uh, yeah. So we'll be covering Moulin Rouge. It uh, is available on Hulu. Okay. And yeah, I think I have. Hulu. If you don't have the Hulus, you can probably get a free trial. Um, <laughs> That's or... the thing, dude. I, I I go through. I feel like I just <laughs> abuse the fuck out of free trials for everything. <laughs> and I feel like you should only get one of those, but I always find a way to get more, and I don't know how, but yeah. I, I find a way, man. It's interesting. It's, it must be because it's available on Hulu, but for rent, it's on Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, and then all the off ones, right? Like uh, like Redbox, Vudu. But yet you can buy it for 5 bucks on Apple TV. You can rent it for three ninety nine on Amazon or buy it for four ninety nine. On Amazon, mm. like what is happening with Moulin Rouge? Yeah, I do not know. Uh, especially with the popularity of Ewan McGregor right now, with Obi Wan Kenobi just having ended not too long ago, you would yeah. think uh, this thing would be all over the place. But no clue, no clue. But yeah, that's been our that's been our show. Thanks again to uh, Soapy for his selection of memories of murder. Uh, I will never be the same. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I am, this was a life fundamentally movie. changed. Yeah, I'm fundamentally changed, but I'm glad that I watched it. And I got to check out more of uh, Junho's stuff because, fuck, Parasite, Snowpiercer, and Memories of Murder is just a crazy trifecta of stuff uh, that, that I've seen that I need to check out more. But, uh, yeah, uh, anything else you wanted to touch on before we hop out of here, Ron? No, I, I just... just I'm, good. The, the potential that Aurora has to just destroy us <laughs> is Tammy and the T-Rex levels. Like yeah. I feel like uh, I, I'm the she's the one I'm afraid of right now because she has the ability to either give us something good, really, really good, 
or to just fucking ruin this show so hard that we walk away from it and never record another episode, I feel like. Yeah, she's the uh, the Zodiac killer of SPR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I'm living in fear of that. I'm contemplating uh, seeing if my dad wants to contribute anything. I already know. Yeah, you totally. I already know totally it's going to be Avatar, um, but because that's his favorite movie. But uh, as I mean, I, I feel like he would never speak to us again I, because <laughs> I, it's, he's it's not, not going to listen. Go- once once that movie gets picked and we have to watch it, we, like once we have to sit down for three and a half hours of our lives and watch that shit again, it's not going to go well on that recording. <laughs> hey, here's the it's thing. Not- the, the reason I'm considering reaching out to him, he might not even be willing to give us anything because he, he gets weird about being involved in things like this. But you know from talking to my dad, there is nothing he doesn't watch on TV or any streaming platform. The guy watches everything yeah he's he's a renaissance man when it comes to that shit he's gotta have tv i used to watch a lot of tv he was watching (laughs) even more tv than me at the time and i was impressed because i was watching way too much fucking tv at the time and he was like he was he he had watched literally anything i could think of and i was like the only thing you can't talk to him about is sports he doesn't follow any kind of sports but i uh when you were helping us move and you got to uh ride with my dad in the u-haul I was in my car driving to the apartment like, I wish I knew what they were talking about <laughs> right now. Because they don't know each other. It's the first time they've ever met each other. There's several generations between them. Like, what the hell could they possibly be talking about? And you guys came out like the best of friends. Like, you guys were just <laughs> yeah, talking to each other the rest of the day. I barely got to talk to you that day. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm a, I think I'm a uh, informal <laughs> Huddleston uh, family member now. I think I was adopted. It was uh, it was welcome to the family, so son. funny <laughs> to hear you guys just coming out of the U-Haul in mid-conversation and just stand next to the U-Haul, continuing talking about some TV show. I was yeah, like, shoot the shit. I was like, what TV. the shit is happening right now? <laughs> yeah, because um, that's the thing. Because I'm just like so fucking hyper aware of TV and movies and shit. I can have conversations about stuff I haven't even fucking seen, and that was like the scary thing at the time. I was like, I think he was mostly talking about Chuck, and that I was sounds right. Ch- I was familiar with Chuck because uh, my family was like really into it and I had watched like an episode or two, but I could talk about fucking any show because I'm just omnisciently aware about fucking TV and movies because that's like all I do. My dad watches so much. I would be intrigued to see what he would pick for us. Honestly, like if you want to just go ahead and like throw out the idea to him and if he ends up, you know, picking something he would like us to cover, we could have like a little bonus thing and if he doesn't want to, you know, you know, no harm no foul. So, yeah, definitely. I I'm, I'm always down to extend it for more if we have the, people the, that want. The to, problem like, is the that people that I know is my wife, you and Bobby. I do the show with you <laughs> and you pick stuff for me all the time. <laughs> we we already reached out to Bobby and my wife already contributes. So, like I don't have anyone else to talk to to uh to contribute but i'm really curious what uh what he would say uh yeah definitely uh throw it out to him see what he says because uh we can always have a bonus episode and if we don't <laughs> you know no harm no foul so never i'm always down for if or if like more people want to throw stuff into the hat you know because it, it, is, it is fun to just have you know like here here you go have fun go watch taming the t-rex go watch yeah, memories of murder. About a guy whose favorite movie is james cameron's avatar and also the guy that saw the Wolfman in theaters. That's crazy. He's the one person. <laughs> He's the one. The mythical dude. 
<laughs> All right, we got to get the fuck out of here before this episode gets two hours, though. So <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks again to uh, Soapy for his selection. Uh, Soapy has redeemed himself for the last avatar. Uh, the last avatar. Oh, Sorry, the need- last. <laughs> The last avatar. He didn't need. Uh, my, my apologies. He didn't need to redeem himself in my eyes. That's one of my favorite <laughs> things we've ever recorded. I mean, I lost like five years off my life, but you know who who needs those? It's. Uh, it's I it's just overrated. turned off my microphone and ate popcorn. <laughs> I think I like said. Michael- I think I said two sentences the whole time. You're the embodiment of the the goddamn uh, Michael Jackson gif with the popcorn. <laughs> so just your little little time. Yeah, I was I was thinking about the Colbert one when he has the giant thing and the 3D yeah, glasses yeah, yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh <laughs> thanks again everybody for listening. Have a good night. Juxtap uh, uh say it for me, Juxtaposition. Yeah, juxtaposition.